You're listening to the Nerd Couple Show. Settling nerd couple arguments from fandoms to the unfathomable, one episode at a time. Here's your hosts, Jen Page and John Curtis. You know how to love me like a nerd. Hello, Hello. nerds. Good Hello, morning. Nerds. Uh, <laughs> on today's show, we're going to talk Baz Luhrmann's newest film, Elvis. Obi, I want more Kenobi. And first up in a segment we call Why You Gotta Be Like That, Why Are Star Wars Fans the Absolute Best and Worst Fans on the Planet? No matter how many fish in the sea, it'll be so empty without me. Now this looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me. That is Keith Stanziola. His TikTok, where he puts toxic fans in their place, had us laughing, so we had to invite him to this conversation. Yes, we did. Hey, Keith, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pull a bunch of fan comments for you guys to start us off, but I just, it was getting too toxic. So instead, I'm going to kick us off with the one comment that hasn't left my mind, (laughs) which is person one posts, the finale of Obi-Wan was so good. Person two comments, yeah, they saved the least disappointing for last. Star Wars fans, what, what do you want? want? Uh, Keith, can we let you just let you kick it off? Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a it's an interesting comment to say the least. Um, I've seen polarizing opinions. Obviously, the vast majority, I want to say, of Star Wars fans, you'll see like tons of hype machine, tons of like we loved it, we loved it. What bothers me is the incredibly vocal minority that is so toxic to the point that it's you know a few apples spoil the bunch because when you see those kinds of comments that just kind of overblow the smallest nitpicks and just armchair film critic say oh it was lazy writing oh it was you know character development didn't make sense and they never have anything to like prop it up with they just say this is what's wrong with it and then that's the entirety of the opinion. They just throw the entire thing out the window. They might love it, but they're so busy picking it apart. Even NPR wrote a story <laughs> that really? says, uh, the headline is, Disney's Obi-Wan Kenobi struggles to live up the, to the storied legacy of Star Wars. What? And the overall point of the article, he basically felt like the show wasn't about Obi-Wan, that it was kind of about all these other characters. But I'm like, what do you want? How is that even possible? <laughs> How can you even say that when he was almost in every single frame of the show and it was always about... Did they want him to just be by himself, like, in the cave? Hello, I'm a hermit. <laughs> Watch this for 20 hours. All right, I have a couple things to contribute here. So, first off, the discourse with Star Wars fans is a perpetual cycle. The movies, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, are made for 12-year-olds. George Lucas himself has said this. They are movies made for 12-year-olds. But they have appeal, and they have appeal for everybody, and they go towards certain boundaries that you would see not normally done in a movie for 12-year-olds. People's limbs get amputated, but for some reason it's okay for children to see that. And no one no one questions that ever since 1977. Mm-hmm. Um, but the repeating cycle here is that the 12-year-olds see the newest Star Wars thing, and they like it. They think this is pretty cool. Then those kids grow up. <laughs> and now the next generation of Star Wars stuff comes out. The sequel trilogy, the prequel trilogy, Solo, the Disney Plus series, whatever it is. And they all watch that thing because they're like, oh, I remember this from when I was 12 years old. I watched this 300 times. Let me watch it again. It's going to be so good. And then all of a sudden they realize 
this feels like a thing that's made for 12-year-olds. <laughs> and there is not a hint of irony in anything that they say from that point forward, where they're like, you know, maybe I grew and this show is still made for the same demographic. So then they hate the new thing. And then the kids that are watching the new thing say, this is pretty cool. I like this. <laughs> and then the cycle repeats. It happened. I remember back in the day, Return of the Jedi was the bad one. Oh and no one remembers this. Like everyone was so pissed at the Ewoks, right? <laughs> oh, so, oh, I do remember that. It, he is right. Yes, right. And then the prequel trilogy. How many like the red letter media re- reviews of the prequel trilogy that everyone saw in the early two thousands? The songs, the parodies. Everyone hated the prequels. Now they love it. But now look at this, Kenobi. Everybody saying, "Where's more Clone Wars flashbacks? <laughs> Where's more Hayden Christensen?" Well, in this is a perpetual years. cycle of Star Wars discourse that has never gotten any better. Has always been repeating. <laughs> the third generation, it's done so. It's really frustrating though because it's like. I feel we're lucky to have something that we all love so much mm-hmm. that they keep giving us more of and really good stuff. This is the best analogy I heard about this. So like, oh, when I was 12 years old, you gave me $100. I, lo- I love that. And now we're adults and, and Disney's like, here's $100. And we're like, it could have been $140. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's perfect. That's amazing. Um, the next thing I want to touch on briefly is that discourse since the birth of Star Wars has changed in the internet era. And the reason I say that is because previously, the way you knew if a movie was good or not is that you had a bunch of film critics that like published in the newspaper and they wrote long reviews. They told you like all the stuff they learned in film school of why this is good, why this is bad. Now, if you look at the reason people like or dislike, especially Star Wars stuff, it's usually boiled down to a couple of lines of dialogue, a Twitter clip, fan service, Everything needs to be so easily boiled down and digestible that it makes it hard to have actual discourse of like expanded conversation like we're doing now, which is Mm -hmm. very lovely, instead of people posting, you know, one minute clip of some awkward dialogue in Kenobi (laughs) and they say, see, this is why it's just lazy writing. And that's it. (laughs) That's the end of the conversation. And that's what's preserved in the conversation today like people remember the twitter clips they remember the fan service they don't talk about the whole movie of rogue one they talk about the one segment at the end of rogue one Mm -hmm. and that's what bugs me so much is that everything needs to be boiled down to is it a good clip for twitter or not yeah and if does everyone like every single second of every film or tv show well (laughs) i as somebody who my favorite of all i love all the star wars episodes or movies um my favorite, though, is Force Awakens because Rey was introduced, and Rey is my favorite character. And I'm somebody who grew up playing pretend as Princess Leia and saying that I was going to marry uh, Luke Skywalker. I just adore Rey, and it drives me nuts, mm. all of the hate that Rey gets. And and I'm like, I'm sorry, but as a woman like who relates to this character— yeah. You need to just shut it down. I, I think they're getting mad at the fact that she becomes the most powerful Jedi. Like, no one's better than Luke. Look, Luke's my biggest fan. Or I'm... I'm <laughs> Is he? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Luke Skywalker loves John Curtis. No, I mean, I'm Luke's biggest fan, and Ray's more powerful. She got all the Jedi behind her. Well, also, I think that you can thank Ryan Johnson for that. <laughs> But anyway. (laughs) I also think we should, just to piggyback on what you were saying there, Keith, the internet should ban (laughs) the use of the word trash or garbage when referencing movies or TV shows. I'm with you on that. Look, 
if you're in the, the movie or TV show, that's the only time I guess you can really call it trash or garbage. But you I've been in a movie, and the movie I was in was trash. That's the only time. You better not be talking that. about the movie I made. Hell no. No, but as people who are in the movie industry, I refuse to call. I don't care if it is like legit. Like I hate it. Somebody worked really hard to make that movie, and there's somebody who loves that movie. So just let it go. You don't like it? Great. Bye. Does someone love the movie Silent Venom? <laughs> well, you're in it. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody, there's some Luke Perry fan who's like loves that movie. Maybe, who knows? I've been in this fandom my entire life. My dad showed me the original trilogy, not on VHS, but on Laserdisc. Nice. That's how much of an OG fan I am, okay? (laughs) And I will put money on the line. That in 15 years, this exact it. same cycle will repeat. They'll have the same kids grown up and be like, when do we get a Disney Plus series about Ray? Oh, my God. <laughs> Actually, oh, when do I get that? <laughs> and there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are then going to get that, and then they're going to hate it, and it's just, it's never learned from. Uh, Tanya, our nerd Tanya says, haters going to hate. That's right. Uh, but I must point out Hafugu's comment, which says, my dad loves Silent Venom. He calls me every time it's on TV. God bless Mr. Smith. God <laughs> bless him. Um, the other thing I want to bring up, though, about Star Wars fans is that, like, when you put all of us in a convention, like Star yes. Wars Celebration, you throw us all in a room with every kind of costume, from the crappiest costume to the best costume. Nobody's toxic. Everybody's supportive and fun and loving. So it's really this anonymity part of the internet that somehow makes people just crazy. Yeah. Or maybe those people don't show up to things like cons because they just really sit at home thinking about things. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I just don't understand it. I need to know. <laughs> but okay, so let's talk Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan. What did I call it? Obi, I I want more. Obi, I want more. (laughs) More Kenobi. Basically, the majority of the people I feel like loved Obi-Wan. So are we only hearing the bad stuff from a minority? Yes, of course. Because when you like something, oh, I love that. That was great. I mean... Are you less likely to comment? Is that the I thing? think so. Well, we started doing a whole thing about Miss Marvel and trying to get people to watch it and give it a shot. So I would think if people were loving... I don't know. I'm just very confused by fans. I, there wasn't one second of that I didn't love. Oh, do we want to talk about the lighting? <laughs> what about the lighting? The lighting... Well, I think everybody's complaining about how dark it is, but really that's not even their fault. That's the fault of our cheap TVs that we all watch on. My friend has a giant 4K TV that he has at his home, and he said that looked Super yeah, see, uh, he probably has OL, what is it, OLD or whatever, oh yeah, OED or whatever, what and uh, they're very expensive, and that's how the blacks look, you can see blacks, huh. that's just a film thing, that's why when you do watch it, if you're a fan who can't see it, you need to watch it in a dark room on your crappy TV, and that's the best way to is it, see it. Is it kind of like that Dolby thing in the theater, like, the projector yes, is still on? that's exactly what it is, oh. be able to see the black. Well, why don't we have that? Because it's like, for our size TV, it's like $800. Hmm. Maybe like $1,200, okay. to be honest. Okay. Where our 65-inch was like $400. Yeah, you'd have to take out a few loans from Jabba to afford <laughs> one of those these days. Did you like the Obi series? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was amazing. I do a weekly roundup with one of my other friends that is one of the only other people I can do actual, like, measured Star Wars discourse with. And we say, like, you know, I don't think this... Here, here's what you'll never hear a Star Wars fan say, okay? A Star Wars fan will say, This writing was lazy. I don't like this character. They talk too much. They're not funny. What we say to each other is, you know, I don't think this landed particularly well. Here's how we think they could have done that better. 
and we talk about like little hypothetical small change we could make. That's how you have an actual conversation. Yeah. Like it's it's an alien conversation. Well, also remembering that like there's a million choices you can make and there's a million things that go on behind the scenes that people don't even understand. Mm-hmm. So you're shooting these epic fight scenes, right? Maybe they're like that day they had eight hours to shoot that that really needed two days. You don't mm-hmm. know what's going on and why they're making certain changes. Or because they spent more time on a fight scene, that's why the little dialogue scene got cut short and isn't the best because they knew they needed to spend more time on that. There's so many decisions to get made in the film behind the scenes. And then taking into consideration the material that they're working with. You have to do fan service. You have to do good original storytelling. You need to do this. You yeah. need to do that. You need to... Ah! Mm-hmm. People also need to remember that the entire entirety of the series would actually rewritten because it originally wasn't up to their standards. Wow. So we don't know what their time schedule was for rewriting basically everything they had going already. I do know people who worked on Obi. They said that it was in the beginning, it was not going well. Like it was, there was issues. So there might've been the rewrites and the, Mm. you know, there's a lot of stuff that we just don't know went on. And I just think we have to have respect for that. And I have mad respect for Deborah Chow for (sighs) putting together the series she did. Man. Oh, yeah. It was not easy. It's not easy. You ungrateful Star Wars. <laughs> you best and worst fans in the universe. It's Let the not- hate flow through you. <laughs> Let it give you power. Good. Good. Keith, this was so awesome having you. We've got to have you back whenever we have more yes. Star Wars stuff to talk sure. about. Thank you Anytime. so Thanks much for, for joining us. Thanks, Keith. Uh, and before Harley moves us on, I do want to bring up something. Uh, Tanya says, I did not like the Miss Marvel movie. So I want to clarify something because I think people... People are getting confused on who Miss Marvel is. Yes, not Captain Marvel, right? It's not Captain Marvel, because I wasn't a greatest fan of those movies either. <gasps> it's not America Chavez, who is in the movie Doctor Strange and the, the Multiverse of Madness. Right. Miss Marvel has just been introduced to us through this new Disney Plus show. I mean, if you were in the comics, you knew her before this. Right. But for those of us who've never had comics... We are just meeting her in this Disney Plus show, and we just watched episode three, and it was <laughs> so action-packed and breathtaking, and like, if you were kind of in on one and two, by three, you're like, I'm fully yeah, in. Yeah, and it didn't lose any of the charm, I thought. No, I it, think it's great. It just got better and better. Thank you guys so much. Um, oh, and Sandy says, so Star Wars isn't just movies, they're done, they've done series? Yes. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Disney Plus, if you like anything Star Wars or anything Marvel, you've got to get Disney Plus because they're all on there. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we saw Baz Luhrmann's newest film, Elvis. Mm-hmm. I am a huge Baz Luhrmann fan. I Moulin Rouge is in my top five of all time. Um, and his Romeo and Juliet was absolutely remarkable. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of some of the other ones, so I would say Elvis probably comes in number three on my list of Baz Luhrmann films. that's pretty high. But he hasn't done a ton of movies. He has not. not, He has not. not. I will say this about that three-hour marathon. (laughs) Okay, it was a little long, but— very long. After watching that— I wanted to do a deep dive on Elvis. Like, I wanted to, and I, I've already been, like, scrolling and Googling, and, oh, my God, this was true. This is exactly how it happened, and he's a good storyteller, Baz Luhrmann. Oh, Baz Luhrmann is a fantastic storyteller. But here, the thing is, like, someone needed to cut half hour out of this movie. A and half I could, hour. I could have pointed out the plot parts that we didn't need. Um, for the most part, though, it's very solid. The performances are solid. Here's where I think my problem comes with, in with the movie. One— 
I'm not an Elvis fan, so I don't like his music. Are you a fan now? No. <laughs> and if you don't like his music, the movie seems longer. For instance, Bohemian Rhapsody, I didn't really know all of Queen's music, but it turns out I liked more of their music than I even knew was the Queen. So it was more fun in that way. Um, whereas when we saw Rocket Man, I wasn't a fan of Elton John's music. So it was a little longer for me too. I had that same problem with Elvis because it's a lot. If you're an Elvis fan, oh my God. you're going to go watch a concert. Like you should go see it. My second problem I had before we get into all the good things is it was hard to connect with the characters. And I think the problem was, really? it was, well, it was telling it from the story of the bad guy, quote unquote, bad guy from his side. And I don't, you can't connect to that. And if we were telling the story from Elvis's side, I think I would have been more emotionally involved. I really wonder why they chose to, to tell it through the way. eyes of the Colonel, Colonel yeah. Parker, who was Elvis's manager. Well, I think it works with Boz's style. He likes that sort of like circus ringleader, like storytelling. And you get a chance to have Tom Hanks helm your you know, yeah, storytelling which... load. Even he couldn't make the Colonel likable. Yeah. <laughs> like that was an impossible task. And I mean, he was interesting as always. He's Tom Hanks. But it's very much great acting around for everybody. Um, the newcomer, well, he's not a newcomer. He's a newcomer right. to me. Um, Austin Barnes is now Austin, Austin Butler. Butler. Austin Butler, sorry. Who's Austin Barnes? He's a Dodger. He's a he? Dodger. <laughs> the catcher for the Dodgers. Hey, uh, I, like, I like the reference. Uh, so Austin Butler, he shot himself into movie stardom. He's now an A-lister. Halfway through the movie, I turned to you and I whis- what did I whisper to you? It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> he says, he turns to me, he goes, Austin Butler is fire. (laughs) (laughs) The only good thing I really have to say about this movie is I wish I was an extra on the movie so that Austin Butler could thrust in my face. And that's it. (laughs) That should bother me as you'll hear that from my daughter. But, you know, she's 19. What am I going to do? Look, this guy, he was in a series that I really liked. It was like the CW-esque type of fantasy series called The Chronicles of Shannara based off one of my favorite series ever. He did a great job in that. Well, Harley knew him from Hannah Montana movie. Really? <laughs> I grew up with Austin Butler. Thank you. Which is funny because I've never even, I don't know who he is until, until this movie, Elvis. I thought they just found some guy. And- oh, no. No one comes from nowhere, like you yeah, always like to say. say. I know. <laughs> he did some character work here that was just off the charts good. He not only captured, like, the vocal qualities and physical mannerisms of Elvis, though, he captured that magic and charm with that, that twinkle, you know, in the eye. Also, yeah. that, that charisma that just made everyone love him. It's making everyone love Austin Butler. For sure. Yeah. Um, I also thought, I mean, beyond the amazing directing, we just need to be very clear about that. It is a Baz Luhrmann film through and through. Everything that you loved about anything he does, Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet and Great Gatsby, it's that style is very prevalent. Mm-hmm. And he's just, there's nobody like the directs like Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. So you get his life, you get, you know, socioeconomic problems of the well, times. Well, that's the one thing I want to talk about. As I felt like, it, so yesterday, we all know the horrible things that happened in the Supreme Court. Um, <laughs> I, as we were watching the movie yesterday, it just felt timely, even though it's happening in like the 70s, right? Yeah. The 70s. And it just made me think about how slow changes in this very conservative country. And what I loved about the film was kind of seeing, I think when women especially, but people were sort of going nuts for Elvis is because of their own raging against the machine. Mm. It was this person who was coming in and not being what he was suppo- told to, he was supposed to be and not being okay with whatever, you know, like they wanted him to change who he was. 
And he eventually said no. And that's what I think made people really drawn to him. Yeah. It just felt like it could have been happening today, which was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Harley's got a face on. What's your face for? This movie made me deeply uncomfortable in multiple ways. I won't get too much into it, but I was really hoping that they wouldn't glorify his marriage. I get it. They were in love or whatever, but she was a child when they met. He was almost 30. Priscilla? Priscilla was 14 when they met. And yes. Oh, wait. Conveniently left that out of the movie. Yep. They, yeah, they just glossed right over that. Out. They Whoa. do say she's a teenager. They just don't say how young of a teenager. And they completely glorified his marriage, which made me really, really uncomfortable, especially just like as a girl. Like I know what it's like to be a 14-year-old. Like It's a different time. I get that. But at the same time, there is no universe or time where I would be comfortable personally with a 14-year-old dating a 30-year-old. But I do, I do like whoever the actress was that played Priscilla. She was fantastic. And I think that the film really let that character shine. So regardless of what we do know or don't know in real life, it made us feel like they had a very solid, loving relationship despite all the stuff that where it went, where it ended because of his drug abuse and all that stuff. I just couldn't get past any of it. It just made me so uncomfortable the entire time. Moral of the story, don't let your pops control your estate. <laughs> Oof, don't ever let anybody... That's why I always am in charge of the money, always. Uh, but moral of the of our movie. talking about the movie, I'm not going to say it, miss it because I do think if you do love Elvis, you need to see it in the theater with the music. So I would give it a 20 as a hit. Hit, 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 right. hit, hit, hit. I don't think it's that big of a Wait. hit. Uh-huh, hit. Yeah, it's like a that hit. Anyway, that's two 20s. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> So we haven't done a predictive text in a while, so we wanted to have some fun. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so this week's predictive text is, I am sorry, Lord Vader, but I. I am sorry, comma, Lord Vader. He's so annoying. (laughs) I had to literally pause for his annoyance. But I. I am sorry, Lord Vader, but I. Use your middle button for your predictive text, and let's see what you get. I am sorry, Lord Vader, but I think I'm so sorry. I just got back to work. Wait, say that again without all the weird acting that I can't understand? (laughs) I am sorry, Lord Vader, but I think I'm so sorry. I just got back to work. So basically, you were confronting him... And you he ha- was confronting me. I mean, he's confronting for being you were confronted. Lazy. And I'm like, dude, I just got back to work. He's about yeah. to choke me. He was, yeah. That's actually pretty funny. Mine is um, <laughs> You're my Lord Vader. <laughs> How do I take that? <laughs> Mine is, I'm sorry, Lord Vader. I am not sure what to do with this, but I am not sure if you are in the film biz. You need to get to and go to the Anaheim celebration. Wow, that is very specific. <laughs> I am not sure what to do with this. So he hands me something. Look, I'm not sure what to do with this. And I don't know if you're in the film business, but you should get to the Anaheim celebration. Yeah. You tell Lord Vader, babe. <laughs> All right. We got some nerds here. Oh, wait. Harley, do you have one? Yeah. Mine made a coherent sentence somehow. Uh, I'm sorry, Lord Vader, but I'm literally obsessed with you. <laughs> literally with my phone. That, she showed us that. That is that. so on brand for you. Yep. It's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, Nerd Maria says, I am sorry, Lord Vader, but I don't know if I will have a fever. Oh, you will when confronting Lord Vader. (laughs) Uh, Tanya says, I am sorry, Lord Vader, but I don't want to talk to you about this exciting opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can see his reaction to that, though. (sighs) 
Uh, no, really, tell me about it. Sandra says, I am sorry, Lord Vader, but you sound like you have asthma. <laughs> that was your predictive text? That's amazing. Pretty amazing. <laughs> still, I'm like sweating. These are so funny. Uh, um, <laughs> also, it's 100 degrees. It, 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 uh, I think we have one more here. Uh, Adrian, you want to read? Yeah. Uh, she says, I am sorry, Lord Vader, but I don't know what you mean by the way you have been a little bit of a day at work, and I don't know what to do with it. Oh, so I don't think you're saying that to Lord she, Vader. <laughs> she's having a meltdown. It's just been a hard day, okay? <laughs> I don't know what to do with all this stuff. Fugu's got one last one. Uh, I'm sorry, Lord Vader, but I don't know how to get the word out. The World Series is going to be a good thing. <laughs> I knew he was a fan of baseball. I knew it. <laughs> Uh, Babe, you had a little nerd news for us? Oh, yeah, I got some nerd news. Okay, so one of my favorite cartoons growing up, and you know this, I think, but it's so obscure, but you, I don't know if you really know what I'm talking about, Robotech. Oh, yeah, we've had this Robotech talk. Yes. Robotech so, talk. <laughs> That's another there show. There is going to be a live-action movie. But guess who's directing? They, they locked down a director. Okay. Do you remember how when we were watching the Hawkeye series and we were like, oh my God, these action sequences are awesome. Do you remember that? Yes. He's going to, he or she, I'm not sure. Uh, wow. Reese Thomas, R-H-Y-S, Reese Thomas, right. will be directing. I thought a woman did direct Hawkeye. I thought that but... was a woman, right? Or no, it was two women. Nope. Oh. Dude, Reese Thomas is a man. All right. Anyway, great action sequences in Hawkeye, and I cannot wait for Robotech, the live-action movie. Bring and it on. He directed they gonna, the John Mulaney show. Cool. <laughs> Are they going to do your sound effects that you did last time we talked to Robotech? The oh. Whatever you did. <laughs> there you go. Rise. Robotech. Let's see. Did you know there's going to be a fourth Riddick movie? Do we want a fourth Riddick movie? I didn't know there was a second, third. But you knew there was a second. Okay. No, I didn't. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. Don't tell me what you think I knew. Well, you knew there was the... Um, I knew there was some kind of Riddick, the Chronicles of Riddick or something. Right, there was the indie movie that started it all, and I, I forgot what the name of it. Then there was the Chronicles of Riddick that made it wildly popular, which is the one last, probably the last one you saw. I In haven't seen any. Let's be clear. I have no interest. 2013... They're awesome. Can we sit down and watch them? No. 2013 gave us Riddick, and now we ha might have a little bit of origin story because it, it's the title is about his home planet. Nerds, are any of you actually excited over more Riddick? I am. And this story by comicbook.com also said that there's going to be a tie-in TV show. So lots of Riddick coming up. Hmm. I love the Riddick. Hmm. It's Riddick. Hmm. Oh, uh... Tanya and Jason are both in the chat saying Pitch Black. Pitch was Black was the OG, one. the very first one, indie. Okay. Well, so this is going to be a little controversial. Nathan Fillion was just on a podcast and he was like, I would work with Joss Whedon in a second. Ooh. Like, is that the beginning of the uncanceling of Joss Whedon? Ooh. Nathan Fillion, how do you feel about that? He's putting Ooh. all his support behind them. Well, I think that Nathan Fillion, he gives the vibe that he gets along with everybody. Yeah, I get that. And that you would be really hard-pressed to be a total meanie to him. Do we, what do we know about the Joss stuff? Was it mostly the women who had issues? It was, no, no. It was the guy, it was the guy uh, one of the guys in Justice League. Okay. Um, it was Gal Gadot, and it was also— Well, I know um, the women in Buffy. The women in Buffy. But Nathan acknowledged all of that stuff, and he gave Joss 
I wouldn't say props, but he gave him an excuse because Joss is saying he's a work in progress. Joss Whedon said about himself. I mean, I get that. I think he has to, like Carly always says, you got to show your penance. <laughs> like you got to do your penance to get forgiven. Penance. Penance. Yes. Do your, uh, do your dil- do due diligence. diligence. <laughs> do your duties. <laughs> do, <laughs> duties. Do you think he's done anything, Joss Whedon? Of course. I mean, they're not going to have a bunch of people saying something about somebody who's actually a talented director if he didn't do the no, things. No, no, no. I'm saying, do you think he's done any penance? Oh, I don't know. I mean, we're not a part of his life. Okay. And I don't think it's for us to judge. I think it's for the people who have issues. He needs to go to them and be like, I was a terrible human. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. I'm going to be better. Here's a million dollars. That's all the nerd news I got, baby. Uh, okay, great. Well, then I guess that is our show for today. That's it. It's over. Honestly, Ron, do you expect them to be here all day? Before we go, uh, join us in our private Facebook group if you're not there already. It's free laughs. <laughs> for more laughs or just to feel sorry for us, join us on TikTok <laughs> at Nerd Couple Show. Uh, and you can check out all things nerd by visiting nerdcoupleshow.com. <laughs> Thank you to our show producer, Harleen Quinzel. Music by Chris Edgar. Opening animation by Jesse Yang. Show transitions by Steve Richardson. Character voices by Lilia Simonton and Heath Harper. And thank you, our live audience and our listeners. You are what makes this so fun. Until next week, keep embracing the nerd you love and all that makes them weird. We're going to leave you with a sample from the TNG podcast. If you're a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation, then you need to listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. This episode-by-episode review show is hosted by two real-life besties who are also trained scientists and members of the BIPOC community. I mean, what what more do you want? All of that combined gives a fresh perspective of an iconic show. So if you can find on Apple Podcasts and all of your favorite podcast apps. So here you go. Enjoy. And we'll see you next week. But then we see like a little snippet of the same old Barclay because it's an engineering meeting and he's not there. And now Jordy's like, where the f- is Barkley? And it's like, uh, he's not here. Computer, where is Lieutenant Barkley? It's like, Lieutenant Barkley's in Holodeck 3. And Jordy's like, uh, like we're doing this again. Mm-hmm. We gotta, now I gotta go find him in the now effing Holodeck. back Thursday, Barkley. And we don't want this. <laughs> so we're like, okay, what kind of creepy things am I gonna walk into now? Cause you know his Holodeck room is not locked cause they never lock it. So he comes into his, barges into his Holodeck time to find that he's not doing anything creepy with Beverly or Troy or anything like that. Nothing. What he's doing is he's just chit-chatting with Einstein and telling Einstein all his theories are wrong and his math is wrong. And you're like... And Einstein's like, oh, shit, you're right. It's like, huh? It's like, yeah, (laughs) you're so smart, Barclay. And you're like, what is going on right now? So Jordy's just like, you're supposed to be in a meeting. And he's like, oh, sorry, I just got caught up, whatever. You've been listening to The Nerd Couple Show. If you're having fun nerding out with us, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Rate and review as it helps others find the show, which helps us keep delivering fun content. We're also on all of your other favorite podcast apps. Nerd out all week with us on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find us on all socials at Nerd Couple Show. We want to hear from you. Send your questions and topics you think we should cover to nerdcoupleshow at gmail.com and check out our merch shop with original Nerd Couple Show designs. Visit thenerdcoupleshow.com to find all the ways you can get into the conversation, including our private Facebook community, where all nerds are welcome. Thank you again for being on this hero's journey with us. Cause you know how to love me like